Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Steve, and my co-host is Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. Good evening from Michigan's second greatest export. The second, sometimes the first, kind of depending on how my car is acting. Actually, never mind. My car is not from Michigan. But anyway, Kyle, uh, how you been? Well, it, it, it's been a, a busy couple months with football, but we ended over the weekend. And now it's on to to more weight training and conditioning and trying to lose uh, 20 more pounds to get into my next weight class. How about you? Busy at work. I mean, yeah, you know, uh, last week there were some times when I wasn't leaving work until about 8, 8.30 at night after working about 13 hours. But today was a little bit long, but after that it should be getting somewhat back to normal. Uh, besides, you know, just staying busy. Um, and yesterday was Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, sir. And happy Father's Day to you as well. And this week, you know, we might as well be nice to each other now because we're going to be talking about some unpopular opinions in wrestling. And this is where some of these areas you and I definitely do not agree. But it makes for a fun, lively show, wouldn't you say? It it, it will be um, it, at least interesting as you uh, you watch Raw and I save myself the uh, – the torment. Uh, yeah, I don't know what uh, is going on there. I just know both shows have a seven-foot Nigerian dude. And, wow, visually, well, he just went plowing through uh, a barrier wall. Anyway, so before we really get started with, with the show, I want to go ahead and give our contact to listen to info. And actually going to talk about a little bit of news a little, little bit of wrestling news. There wasn't really a whole lot that went on this week. But if anybody would like to ever get a hold of us, it's armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast. On Twitter, at bookingarmchair. We have a YouTube channel. We're on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon. You can find all those links in the, the show description. And we are... Still not currently taking callers, but maybe one day in the future that'll change. But we'll see. Uh, I almost had somebody lined up this week, Kyle, because I spoke to him last Saturday in person. And he said, yeah, yeah, just send me a message. Yeah, I'll be happy to come in there. I'm not doing anything on Monday nights anyway. I sent him a message. Yeah, he didn't respond. I have to try again on that one, but I'm not going uh, to chase it after everybody forever for that. You know what I'm saying? That is the busy life of a wrestler trying to make it in the business yep well he's actually pretty good uh i don't want to say his name just in case he just wasn't able to message back because he seemed like a pretty cool guy um i think he definitely has potential he could actually uh be as one of the i don't want to call him like the top three or top four companies there's not really a name for him but i mean i think he actually could go to one of the top companies but but either way, hopefully we can have him on the show in the future. Uh, have I forgotten anything, Kyle? 
I'm not sure you gave out the um, the address, but the email address over all, all the platforms. Uh, email address, very first thing I always name, armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. Now, Kyle, when it comes to unpopular opinions, how would you define an unpopular opinion? One that is not mine. <laughs> okay, your answer is actually funnier than mine. I was just going to say one that doesn't appear to go with the norm, one that isn't the mainstream opinion. But that may be because we're definitely not trend followers. I don't think either one of us are. You can just tell that because, you know, we're still wrestling fans. And wrestling fans tend to go against the grain a little bit. But what Kyle and I, we've actually talked. Go ahead, Kyle. And an unpopular opinion, granted, with the with the internet, anyone you can have an unpopular opinion on thing related to wrestling. At this point, we are throwing out a few for for discussion. And we'll we'll see how this goes. Yep. Some of these are kind of well known, I would say. Others go a little a little deep into the business that not everybody necessarily keeps up with or even really cares to because Kyle and I we just happen to be that much of fans, I guess that level of a fan where we don't just say, Okay, we like watching the product, we actually get into it and we examine and analyze it because that's what we do. But so, you want to do your first? Well, actually, we both have the very same opinion about something, but we can still discuss it. Go ahead, Kyle. So we we have a variety, and in this one, we did not do a top ten list. So I guess we can go back and forth, and this may be the the only one we sort of agree on. And I worded it differently than you, but we we have the same conclusion. The Attitude Era was not the best era in wrestling. Exactly. And and the way I worded it was, just bluntly, the Attitude Era is overrated. Now, how did you come to this opinion, Kyle? Because I know how I did, and I'm pretty sure uh, yours is the same way, but... We may have the same opinion, but we may actually come through it through different paths. Everyone looks back on the Attitude Era fondly because that was the pre-PG-13 product. But if you listen to JR, you listen to Bruce Pritchard, we... It really wasn't as good as... To me, the Attitude Era was a little much at times. And I get they wanted to get a little edgy, but they went beyond just a little edgy. And I think a lot of their their longtime fans, I think they kind of alienated. They made, you know, it felt like they kind of left them out in the cold. Uh, some of the, the storylines and angles were 
A little much for TV, a little much for live shows and arenas, especially when you have uh, families there with their kids. And it seemed to me like the demographic they were going for was the same demographic who kept the Girls Gone Wild videos in business. It, well, th- that was a good business for a lot of years. Some of some of the best wrestlers don't hold the rock. We could argue Triple H. All, all came from the Attitude Era. And it was an edgier product, more adult product. But I can't say it was better than the 80s. Oh, I agree. Because they were getting away from the cartoonish and the gimmick, or the the characters were too gimmicky. When you, you had a guy run into the ring with a great big bullhead mask on, Mantar. No, that was pre-Attitude Era. But before Attitude Era, that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> you had a guy with the bullhead. You had another guy with a jockstrap on his head. You had the, the occupational gimmicks, you know, like Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Then you had an evil dentist. Well, they started losing their audience, and I think <clears throat> the Attitude Era was in response to that. That's when they were trying to bring uh, not necessarily the audience they had back, but they were trying to, to bring an audience back. They were trying to bring people back. They were looking more for numbers rather than the you know who the numbers were. At that point, it didn't matter. We just need people to buy tickets. And yeah, I admit Stone Cold was a big part of that. Uh, I think he was starting to become popular in WCW before he got fired. And I think if they would have left him in WCW, you know, he eventually would have became big there. Maybe not as big as what he became in the WWF, because I, I don't think anybody could have predicted that level of getting over. Uh, the Rock. The Rock, I think, actually lent to it because uh, The Rock, even now, some of his promos, when he, well, when he does promos anymore, they're kind of still kind of right there on the edge. You know what I'm saying? Um, Triple H, I, I actually like Triple H before, well, when he was still calling himself Hunter Hearst Helmsley before they started the Triple H thing. I always liked his talent uh, in the ring. But some of him being overexposed later on, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan. He was he was never like one of my top top go to guys. Well, t- Triple H to to me was not he's not anyone I ever paid to to watch wrestle. Is the easiest way to put it. Yes. He, now, his best storyline to me was late 99, uh, early 2000s when he got with Stephanie McMahon and they created the corporate DX um, McMahon-Helmsley era. 
that was entertaining. The Armageddon pay-per-view was a big surprise. That some of the stories during the Attitude Era were were pretty good. But in the 80s, in the 80s where we were fans, WWE or, well, WWF back then, or NWA slash WCW, they all had developed characters and everyone fought for a reason. Right. You had a match for a reason. And the goriest it kind of got was Ron Bass on Brutus Beefcake. And that was Saturday morning television. So comparing to what we we grew up on, that the new generation was okay. Like it wasn't not watchable. You get Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Bret Hart, Razor Ramon uh, to come out of that group. Then you go in into the Attitude Era, and, and the promos are edgier. The outfits are uh, more revealing. Sometimes you watched Sunny was a big deal early, Sonny, Sable, Deborah, Tori Wilson, Stacy Keeler. You notice they all have something in common. Uh, they're all female. And they're all blonde. Uh, Every single one of them are blonde. Well, you had Trish, Lita, Miss Jackie. So they, in... Like, we were talking with uh, Selena Dean. You can't watch Attitude Era women's wrestling with your daughter and not be embarrassed. Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. Well, because I wouldn't want her um, to watch something like that. You know, that would be embarrassing to say, yeah, I used to watch that, but I mean, I I was more of the WCW guy back then, you know, and that's because I grew up watching what eventually became WCW, so I did prefer one over the other. I did not say I would never watch the other one at the time because I was still a wrestling fan, and that's one of the things I've actually put on Twitter before is I got tired of seeing everybody, you know, doing the whole thing. WWE versus AEW, and if you like one, you can't like the other. I'm like, no, I'm a wrestling fan. I don't care if it's WWE. I don't care if it's AEW. I don't care if it's Impact, if it's Ring of Honor, if it's the strong style out of Japan, if it's the 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 European style out of like England or Germany. I don't care if it's an indie uh, company like the NWF and Maryland Championship Wrestling, some of them, I like wrestling. That's what I grew up watching. And I used to watch it. I, w- I knew 
every channel that had a wrestling show on. This was on terrestrial TV. And I actually knew the the channels on cable, even though I didn't have cable. I wanted cable so I could watch the wrestling. And But the Attitude Era was one time that I would turn and go, oh, great, Sable's walking around again about half naked. Oh, no, this is where we're different. <laughs> I, I, I watched both shows, and I watched extra hard when Sable was on television. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't visually appealing, but having her come out there, okay, she's out there. All right. All right, cool. Are they originally going to show a match, or are they just going to show Sable advertising her next Victoria and Playboy? Uh, and again, it's, that it sold over a million a million copies, and at the time, again at the time, we didn't think of her. As negatively. And, I mean, at the time, it seemed like a good idea. So, people did react to her. That's the purpose of of wrestling. She, she did her thing. Obviously, a million people, maybe even some people I knew, bought the magazine. But was ruthless, the ruthless aggression area much, much better? Is whatever, I guess it's the PG era, whatever they're going to call it. It's certainly not better. The Attitude Era got the most eyeballs on cable, but... The 80s got the most, what, 33 million for Hogan Andre? You talking pay per view? No, that was regular main event. Oh no, you talking? Oh yeah, the Friday night, the the the, the main event, the one that was on on a Friday night. Uh, was it 33 million? It was 30, 33 million people watched that at nine o'clock at night. I was one of them. And there's nothing television uh, on on Raw, on SmackDown, and, and SmackDown is a much better show, that you're going to call a friend and say, hey, turn on turn on wrestling right now. Speaking of turning on wrestling right now, it's kind of amazing. We're just talking about the Attitude Era and the uh, the women who were being showcased in the Attitude Era. Are you watching Raw right now? It is currently thunderstorming where I live right now. Uh, uh, I know Ava Marie, and I believe her name is Dewdrop. Okay, I didn't uh, even know what her name was. Do you think Dewdrop would have been shown during the Attitude Era? 
Yes, because they always had one big girl. Who was the big girl during the Attitude Era? I don't, I don't remember the top of my head, but because, they always yeah. had a, a bigger girl. There Which was just Bertha, one. Bertha Faye was already gone by that point. There, there's always one that is around for, I don't want to say diversity, but that poses a bigger threat. And, and by bigger, um, China was obviously bigger. And had a different attraction level than others initially before the surgeries. Well, like you said, she was a different kind of bigger. And Luna Vachon definitely didn't fit the mold of a diva. No, not by any stretch. So I'm going to go a little harder with you now since we agreed on that one and and you are watching my television is off because my cable is out WWE is currently repeating the same mistakes WCW did when they folded I actually agree with you on this one in fact this one kind of resembles my second one but I won't say it but it doesn't resemble it exactly so I won't say it yet but I actually do agree with that because they're getting compl- – well, the big thing is they're getting complacent. I would argue that with Scott Steiner as heavyweight champion wrestling Booker T, as they weeded out the older stars uh, as the contracts were ending, that WCW at the end – was more entertaining than WWE is right now. Even with the GI Bro stuff? GI Bro was over. (laughs) GI Bro was the year before, but you had Three Count and the Young Dragons. You had Steiner wiping out everyone who's essentially the Roman Reigns character right now. You you had a mix of older talent and then the young ones, the the natural born thrillers, the time. You had Norman Smiley and the hardcore division. You had the cruiserweight titles. Remember, they came out with the Cruiserweight Tag Team Championship at the end. All right. They they had the potential, and they were still getting ratings in the mid-twos at the time. And that's better than anything that's happening on USA or Fox right now. I was about to ask, what are Raw's ratings right now? 
And by the way, um, talking about the storms knocking out your cable, last Friday uh, we had some really, really bad storms here. Uh, I actually wasn't able to, to watch SmackDown anyway because I had um, I had to leave for a bit. And you know, so I figured, hey, I'll just watch it, you know, the weekend, DVR. And cable never got knocked out. Signal was great. However, they preempted a good hour of the show, uh, well, more than an hour of the show to do the weather watch. Oh, now we're showing the storm over here. Now it's a storm over here. I'm like, I we know it's raining. We know how bad it is. I mean, it was bad. I'm not, you know, not, not going to say the storm wasn't bad outside. They didn't need to preempt the show, so I missed most of it. Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to inter, inter, didn't mean to interrupt you, Kyle. My my whole opinion there is that WWE they're replaying the same matches. They have dull characters, and they are a wrestling company putting on a television show. Ooh, that's a perfect way to put it. That's pretty deep. That's a perfect way to put it. And that was the issue with WCW is because the WWE is a wrestling company. It was founded to be a wrestling company. Even though Vince McMahon, he kind of, he thinks of himself, he fashions himself as an entertainer or an entertainment guy. However, it is still a wrestling company. WCW was part of a television company. And they were doing everything to get the ratings on television, whereas WWE was doing everything to get the pay-per-view buys and the merch and the house shows. WCW wasn't even doing house shows at the time. They'd actually stopped doing them. And so if WWE – go ahead. They were booking things and not delivering them. And at that point, the major stars just stopped doing house shows. Sometimes they and just no-showed. They just, yeah, they just didn't show up. They weren't reliable. And why would they be? They're on guaranteed contracts. So they're still going to get their money no matter what. That was the Turner's company's mistake for allowing it to happen because Vince McMahon, say what you will about him, but when it comes to things like that, he does not tolerate things like that. He will not tolerate somebody no-showing. And, you know, without a good reason, obviously. And because you know, they have had cases where, hey, we're so-and-so, and you find out, oh, they were in a car wreck or something. You know, that's legit. But where they at? Oh, yeah, they just didn't show up. They just didn't feel like being there. Yeah, he he fired Jim Neidhart for things like that. Well, and he fired he, a lot. Don Morocco going back to the 80s got fired for issues backstage with different people. At the end of the day, your company is still a business. Exactly. But this kind of goes into your your comment here. Why the WCW did more damage to themselves than Vince McMahon did to them? 
Uh, you agree or disagree? Well, I want to hear how you describe it. Okay. The way a lot of people look at it about WCW, they say, well, it was that the Attitude Era, and it kind of goes back to our first our, our first thing here, that the Attitude Era, that's what drove WCW down. No, we've already discussed, no, the Attitude Era is not what happened. The WCW, it was not just – it was not just the finger poke of doom, although that had stuff to do with it. It was not just Indy Goldberg's streak, which led into the finger poke of doom. It was not just the, well, that'll put butts in seats. And all those are all really, that, those are all on one show. But it was also the stale booking. It was, okay, the NWO is over. You know, you have the outsiders, you have Hogan. Okay, now let's bring in six Pac if you want to have the fourth. And you may have a manager in, in, Ted DiBiase, leave it there. Well, next thing you know, every time the NWO came out, it looked like a bodybuilding competition in a way because it was the guys are all posing and they're all jumping in front of each other to pose for the camera. And the NWO, yeah, NWO got so big, it kept breaking into other factions. And But, yeah, they started putting on a piss-poor product that – just was not good and everybody says well Vince McMahon you know he beat him he beat him. no WCW beat themselves they having the guaranteed contracts and then having the was they call it the favored nations clause and, and all this I mean we as fans we can always speculate but we're we've listened to enough interviews and we've read enough interviews from the wrestlers who were actually there who actually say yeah that happened where you had Hogan you had Hall you had Nash who had the stipulations in their contracts that no one got paid more than them. That meant on one night, on just one pay-per-view, if they had a special guest come in, like a Dennis Rodman, hey, Dennis Rodman is getting paid a million dollars for this one-time appearance. Hey, I'm only getting paid for this one time, uh, this one particular night. I'm not getting paid that much. You have to bump my pay up to match that. And so through bad business decisions like that, and then they started running out of money. And, of course, when you start running out of money, it's going to affect your product. And then the product itself was also getting bad. And a lot of that was the production values and things like your World War III, you know, with the three-ring battle royals and things like that. Have you ever tried to watch those on – well, now they're on Peacock. So, have you? Go ahead. On your argument, I actually completely disagree with you now. Okay. With your with your reasons, World War Three was a good concept. Hard to watch. The entire the entire roster in a bat, three ring battle royal, and they start with three rings, then they go down to one ring until there's eventually a winner. Those were always good shows. They were very hard to watch, though, because you couldn't keep up with what was going on anywhere. And I agree. I mean, it was a good concept. You, know, you, have, all, you have 60 wrestlers coming in there. Yeah, that's, that's a good concept. Hiring active wrestlers to form a booking committee without an actual head is what hurt WCW creatively. 
Yes, that was another thing. Lunatics running the asylum. So in WCW, there was no boss. So if if you use that to argue, that would be effective. But you tell me to sweep a floor, and it goes, I don't feel like sweeping tonight. And I go to your boss and get him to change your mind. There, there was no authority. Right, there was no leadership. No, no leadership, no authority. Hogan, and, yeah. Hogan can do whatever he wants. They're making decisions up until the, the beginning of the show. Actually, not just changing during the middle of the show. Everything WWE is doing right now. It, it, Eric Bischoff in his podcast is, we have to have storyboards for character arcs. Homegrown talent, the two wrestlers WCW put over were Goldberg and Diamond Dallas Page. They messed up on the Sting. Sting should have beat Hogan cleanly at Starcade. And after that, the NWO should have disbanded. Right. And, and I, that did Go ahead. Um, the Goldberg example. The streak needed to end. But not the, not the way... Not like that, though. Eventually, no, yeah, it, the, streak, the streak was going to end. I mean, everybody knows that. But the way they did it when... You have him getting hit with a cattle prod and then not really given a realistic chance to get his title back the very next night and then having the aggravated stalking against Elizabeth. And they, no. they, actually had, they had to tone that down. So you, you, don't, you see it through historical lenses. In the moment, creating the new NWO, that was five months six months of pay-per-view opponents for Goldberg. But Goldberg put his arm through a window, severed an artery, and put himself on the shelf, which ruined. So we look at the finger poke of doom. Oh, look what it did. Well, did it? Feel another one of your opinions. Goldberg screwed Goldberg there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, Goldberg punching a window is never a good idea. But my whole thing about the finger poke of doom was reforming the NWO when everybody thought it was over. Okay, let's move on. And then all of a sudden, er, okay, let's go back to what, the way we had before because Hogan, as far as his career goes – Hogan turning heel and joining and forming the NWO was one of the best things he could have ever done for his career because he had been getting stale and the people were booing and they didn't want to see it. See, they were booing him in, in WWF. So he left with the WCW. Boom, they're cheering him. And then within a couple of years, they're booing him again because the act was getting stale. He, joined, he starts NWO. Boom. I mean, and then they were – Looking forward, they were paying to see him again, even though they were 
um, it was they were wanting to see him get beat. And then, like you said, the thing at Starcade 97 happened with Sting should have beat him clean. Oh, I absolutely agree. Sting should have beat him clean. That whole thing, you know, Hogan says, you know, I, I never told him to do a regular count. And other people say, like, no, Hogan told Nick Patrick to do a regular count. Because I, I was actually watching that pay-per-view, and when Bret Hart came out and wouldn't let the, the timekeeper ring the bell, he said, I'm not going to let somebody else get screwed or whatever it was he said. I was confused. I'm like, what the heck is he talking about? And then, you know, you find out what had happened, that somebody screwed up, and whether they were told to screw up or not. Um, but then it just seemed like, okay, Hogan is once again dictating everything, and everything has to revolve around Hogan. Like you were saying about the booking committee. Me personally, if I was running a company, if I was going to have a wrestler do any of the booking, they would not book themselves to win titles. But... I do see the argument, and this is what I think it was. It was one of um, one of Conrad Thompson's podcasts. Um, they were actually talking about the baby with Tony Schiavone. He said, "Part of the problem was you put the title on somebody, and then they'd want to leave. You put it on yourself, you know you're not going to leave." But anyway, well that. That's the story of the territories, but you you look at booking decisions in general. And we talked about Jericho. There was a main event talent, top ceiling, a bunch of older guys keeping their spot to the detriment of the company. Right. And... Without having one figurehead, this is this is where in, in any form of company, not just entertainment, you you find the the weakest person to to get what you want. Uh, my my thing, I, I got sent out as you know. And I worked in another location, and day shift got to make a bunch of messes, and the swing shift had to clean up for them in the middle of the night. And I go, why am I your cleaning person? Day shift should clean up after day shift. Swing shift should clean up after swing shift. Exactly. And I take it to John and not have a mid-shift? Two shifts, unless we had to. And that that was the whole thing. Clean up after yourself. That's a, a big thing in my house uh, to this day. But it takes someone with a backbone. Everyone else just took it. And they go, no, I didn't make the mess. So why am I taking out this full trash can when I didn't throw anything in it? I would argue as we – you got to fix your computer there. Um, oh, no, that was like I got a notification. 
there's a it was somebody I, I made a comment on somebody's Facebook a while ago, and I just got a notification that they commented back. Anyway, I, I would argue, although a lot of WCW booking decisions are poor in historical context, that they'd still be on television today, still be operating if Ted Turner did not merge with AOL. Yeah, and I thought that was a pretty interesting one. So, yeah, um, I want you to explain that one because, I mean, I honestly, I'm going to remain neutral because I don't know if I agree or disagree with it, to to tell you the truth. I I thought it was interesting. uh, This goes to the death of WCW and and the book, I believe R.J. Reynolds wrote it. But when Time Warner merged with AOL in the peak of the dot-com industry, AOL executives got, got involved with wrestling. So, now I know what you're talking about. I have the same book. Okay, so that's when everything started changing. And as you hear Eric Bischoff put it, a lot of weird financial things started appearing on their books. And they're having to produce extra content with no extra money. And we wonder why production values were, were limited. It's because their ability to put out a show is compromised and they are expected to put out at the time, it was five five hours of live content and then three hours on the weekends that with the merger, Ted Turner basically lost control. If, if he doesn't merge, that WCW would still be on TBS at least one to two nights a week, regardless of their ratings. Maybe. And I think there's a lot of um, a lot of variables you'd have to throw in there. Because, yeah, as soon as you mentioned the book, I was like, that's right, because I have the, the same book, because it was one guy, part of AOL, who was not a wrestling fan. He did not like wrestling. And and he looked and said, okay, this part of the Turner empire, for lack of better terms, is losing money and has been losing money for a while. And so we are, we are going to cut ties with it. We're getting rid of it. And so, I mean, so you could say it was purely a business decision, but it was a business decision of somebody who was not interested in trying to revive the product anyway because he was not a wrestling fan. I wish I could remember his name. I don't. Jamie Kellner. There you go. Yep. Because our, that's right, because I remember the first name was a name that could be either a, a guy or a girl. I don't know why I remember something like that. But Yep. And, yeah, he did not like wrestling. But as far as WCW still being on, I mean, because that was, that was 20 years ago. It would take a lot because they were they were already losing money. It would have to take somebody to really step in, really, like you said, take the reins, take control, take you know, actually become a leadership figure 
And if you have to start firing people first day because saying you're not producing, you're not producing, your contract is, you know, all your contracts are now null and void. We're going to be renegotiating everything. You don't like you get your lawyer and we'll talk. Because it's kind of what Bill Watts did in a way, however Bill Watts took it a little bit too far with some of his other things. And yeah, but they needed they needed something like a Bill Watts, but without the over the topness or over overboard, the the gruff kind of bully mentality that he had. It's a it's a hard thing, uh, and it's because we we really don't have a a comparison, but. Ted Turner was a wrestling fan. And as long as he owned the television station, he would have put out wrestling. He was a wrestling fan, and he was very loyal to the product, which actually helped him build his empire and actually save the the fledgling business that his dad had he inherited from his dad. And it was a sign company, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, and he turned it into, you know, he bought a local television station and turned that into the Superstation and went from there. And wrestling was relatively cheap to produce. You got a ring, you got camera, you got a couple of cameras, you got some microphones, got an audience. Well, there you go. And with without the merger, he would have still tried to bury Vince McMahon. I think so. I think he would have maintained wrestling on the channel. And we can go to a lot of things towards the end of WCW. And there is nothing like the garbage they put out now. Oh. I don't... Well, think about this. I don't know if you watched it or not, but them having the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view last night. And here we are less than 24 hours later, and they are already getting ready for the next pay-per-view, which is going to be in less than a month. And I'm going to guess that it's money in the bank because the two briefcases are suspended above the ring. Not even that, because that is the next pay-per-view. Bobby Lashley was in was in the uh, Hell in a Cell last night, and for what reason did he need to wrestle Drew McIntyre in a cell? I, you got me. Saying uh, tonight. He's going to wrestle, uh, I believe it's Xavier Woods. It's either Xavier or Kofi. I know that because I was trying to uh, trying to listen, but I was also trying to um, get everything set up on here at the same time. And uh, I had some other stuff. We were, uh, the wife and kids and I were talking about some stuff too. So I had, had some things going on at once. But I did gather, yeah, he's having a match with somebody tonight. But I, I didn't catch so, if it was Xavier or Kofi. 
they're throwing out matches for the sake of having matches. Same money in the bank was a good occasional concept. There has to be another way to win a title shot. I'm I'm actually okay with the money in the bank because it does kind of add some intrigue as long as they do it correctly. Because sometimes, you know, they win the money in the bank and that night they're cashing in. We've seen it happen, you know, a couple times. Um, But last year, the money in the bank winner, for the men anyway, I thought they were kind of, uh, he Otis, at the time, he was extremely popular with the fans. But if you're going to give somebody the money in the bank, I mean, that's giving them a chance to, to cash in and win more than likely the world title or the universal title because they're not going to go for the U.S. title or the intercontinental title. They're going to go for the big one. Could you really see Otis as a world champion then? Um, the re- Otis was so popular. Right. Partly- Due to Mandy Rose. That is true. And for whatever reason, they split them up, and they they fired his tag team partner. I which I didn't get that either. So uh, a lot of we again what the fans want to see. They're giving us what likely. Vince McMahon wants us to watch what we want to see. I'm pretty sure you watched the Road Warriors DVD. Yes. Do you remember what Michael Hayes said? Not about. Um, okay, let me. Okay, he said a lot of things. <laughs> he said a lot of words in that DVD. When he said when talking about giving the fans what they want, he said, you cannot BS the fans. Right. And, I mean, Michael Hayes tells the truth. The man's been around the business for a long time. He's been a booker. He's been, obviously, a manager, a wrestler, a commentator. And uh, that right there was the, the true statement. You cannot BS the fans. And, this event, and like you said, well, your statement of um, them making the same mistakes that WCW was doing back then, I think they were also making some of the same mistakes they were making back in the early 90s, even before the Attitude Era, where, okay, we're going to make the fans like this. Oh, no, the fans aren't liking that. And now they let go of some of the most popular wrestlers. Uh, now, Samoa Joe has come back. I don't know if you saw that or not. I did on NXT. Yes, so Samoa Joe is back, and I think he will, he will do very, very well um, in a, as a role as a trainer, probably a commentator. I thought he, I, I, I like Samoa Joe on the mic, on with him doing commentary. But I, the way the WWE product, like you're saying, they're, they're they're having a match for what reason tonight? He, you know, he's going against Xavier. Do you honestly think that Xavier Woods is going to win the title tonight? No, there's that. Likely not. Right. And I know you're, you're, 
waiting with bated breath for your boy to come back. Um, oh, don't jump points now, but go ahead since you went there. Oh no, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not jumping a point. I'm just that right go there. Ahead. Oh, okay. We can just, oh well, all right. I mean, I, I actually was not planning on jumping the point just yet. I mean, we don't really have an order, but. Let's do both of these points at the same time. I'll actually say both of them. But oh, no. you say yours, and then I correct you. Oh, you're going to correct me. Okay. Brock Lesnar Brock- is legit, and I know, yes, you will agree with that. Brock Lesnar is legit, but he is overrated at the same time. And I disagree because he's legit. And he's the biggest draw of our generation. But is he? Is he really the biggest draw? Because I know, yes, he he didn't wrestle every week, and you'd be hard-pressed to – even when he would make an appearance on Raw, he usually didn't come out there to wrestle. He may throw somebody in an F5 or or about five or six German suplexes. But but is he really the biggest draw? When Brock Lesnar is announced to be on the screen, the ratings go up. And that's the only measuring stick of the current product because they don't truly announce pay-per-view buys anymore. When they did house shows where Brock Lesnar was scheduled to appear, they all sold out. How long ago was that? The last time they did house shows. So Brock Lesnar did house shows before the pandemic. He did house shows, special ones, and they sold out. Well, I think when part he- of that is because they would bring like the crossover with MMA fans. But, again... It doesn't matter where it comes from. Oh, I agree. What matters is that they're watching. And when Brock Lesnar is scheduled to appear on your screen, the ratings go up. And of the matches, there's not a single opponent that people want to see wrestle Bobby Lashley right now. You can't name one on Raw. Not on Raw. Actually, either one one of the seven-foot-tall Nigerians, I'd like to see them against Lashley. I think it'd be kind of fun to watch. No, I think Lashley would kill them because they're not over yet. But they're not experienced yet either. Then then go to SmackDown. The fans wanted Cesaro. They ruined that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not positive who's next. I'm not watching it with enough investment to figure out who's next. Well, and they keep letting people go. They keep firing them. So it is, it's kind of hard to tell who's next. Because, yeah, like I said, Cesaro, Cesaro has been waiting at that one level below world champion now for seven years at least. He's been right there. Vince McMahon has admitted 
he doesn't see anything in it. But meanwhile, Vince McMahon does not listen to the fans. Even when Stephanie McMahon and Triple H came out there on that one episode, what was it, Raw, a few years ago, and said, we just want to let you know we're listening to you, we're listening, and we're going to change some things. Did they change? Not really. Nope. Not really. So, but, but the reason I'll say – go ahead. Of the available wrestlers, the only matches that are talked about right now that people want to see is John Cena and Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. And the reason I say Brock Lesnar is overrated, and I look at this purely as a fan of the actual action in the ring, the actual wrestling. Yes, Brock Lesnar is very legit. Like you said, the shotgun, stun gun, and four friends, you know, but his matches over the past few years when he's been in there have been German suplex, German suplex, German suplex, oh, belly to belly, belly to belly. Uh, occasionally he might do a vertical suplex. Well, I, should, I have to admit I like his style of vertical suplex because he doesn't do a hanging one. He just kind of grabs them and, and throws them in a, a way I've never seen a vertical suplex done before. F5, F5, punch, punch, knee, knee, pin. You know, you could do those moves in whatever order you want to. It does usually end with an F5, and that's it. His matches are, to be honest with you, yeah, they're very impactful, or they have a lot of violence and a lot of high-impact moves, but they're very boring. Unless you get him in there, well, if you get him in there with somebody like a Daniel Bryan, who apparently is also no longer with the company, given there with like an AJ Styles. And Brock Lesnar has even admitted he likes having matches with those guys because he knows they will actually have a good match because they bring something different. Him against Bobby Lashley, yeah, it'll be yeah, – everybody wants to see it. It's, it's – well, I can't say it's Hogan-Andre level, but it's going to be uh, like that type of match. You know, the two big behemoths – go ahead. Anytime you bring up Brock Lesnar, I counter <laughs> with the Brock bias that you clearly have. No, I admit, I admit. So go this goes. The man is six six foot three. Um, on the generous side, two two hundred eighty five pounds. Is he only six three? He's not gargantuan. I thought he was about six five or six six, but well, maybe it's because he, I mean he's he's so muscular. He looks like he's taller. He, even if he's six five, and it says he's six foot three. Um, Steve, how do you think a two hundred eighty five pound man is gonna gonna fight? Legit, true. Yeah, he is only six three. Like that. I've been thrown around by a three hundred pound man in training. He uses his size against me. That so his matches. He had um, good matches with Roman Reigns. 
He had good matches with Seth Rollins. He put over Drew McIntyre. He's had much better matches with Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. He has a not-so-good reputation with Dean Ambrose. for the street fight match. And, you know, probably because he didn't like the guy, being honest. But he didn't like Dan Ambrose? No. And speaking of congratulations to Dean Ambrose, well, John Moxley and his wife, they just had their little girl. Anyway, go ahead. So he's willing to work more with people he likes or trusts or whatever than others that he doesn't. But he's he's still someone people want to see. So you think maybe that's why when he comes in, he's only there for a few months and then he leaves again. Just to make him and that that might even, not even be his plan. That may be somebody else's plan saying, look, do this, make yourself more of an attraction. Because if we see every day, it's not a special. Is it any different than what The Undertaker did? Towards the end of his career? Uh, no, not really. Except for, and I'll, and I'll, well, give, Bro- I'll give Brock props, and I know you don't think I ever give Brock props. I mean, I call it like it is. I think Brock has kept himself in a much better shape than what The Undertaker did during some of his uh, annual appearances. And Undertaker himself has even admitted every couple times he came in there, he was not in shape whatsoever. Really? Um, you undervalue one of the last big wrestling stars. You talk about Brock. Yep. One of the things also why, uh, and this this could also be a leadership failure. Anyone else who holds a title has to defend it. And yes, I know it's 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 a work, and you know the whole thirty day thing isn't always you know sometimes it may be like thirty five days, or whatever. But Brock has been considered a, a part time champion. They also have talked about how Brock failed a drug test. However, Brock failed a UFC drug test. Either way, it's, Brock failed a drug test. No. He didn't fail WWE. A WWE test is different. What they caught him for in... Um, UFC is um, to regenerate testosterone. It's a male fertility product, not a steroid. Okay, a growth hormone. No, no. You'll have um, the biggest background in USADA testing. If I take too much Tylenol, 
it will show up in a USADA test. Okay. If I take something, a uh, big product back when in the late 90s was horny goat wheat. Um, I don't know if you remember that. And that was a big thing in the Air Force dorms. And it would help uh, performance. It, if you catch the family-friendly things I'm saying here. Okay. That was illegal in the Air Force drug test. Was it, took, was it illegal at the time, or did it become illegal? It was illegal at the time. Ah. Just like, um, and I, I don't think you knew, knew the guy, there was a guy that got discharged from the Air Force for taking a shark cartilage supplement. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, wow. Uh, that's just, it doesn't surprise he me. Could, I mean, Wow. Something he failed a a drug test. Now they never gave you a drug test and told you everything that they were testing for. And this was something I asked for, which drew attention to myself. What can I take and not get in trouble? You shouldn't get in trouble for asking that. I mean, that's a legitimate well, question. That that's a very legitimate question. You're not trying to get I, high. You know, I asked a couple legitimate questions that got me unwanted attention in the Air Force. But you can't use a USADA UFC drug test against Brock Lesnar, who works for WWE because they test for different things. That's like saying Randy Orton was on the steroid distribution list, which he was for designer steroids. And he didn't get suspended. Should he have? Well, you don't order designer steroids and not take them. Right. Who else was on the list? And that's a whole discussion. Um, how many wrestlers were on the list? For, Let's say which time? How many times did that happen where somebody for receiving them? Story, yeah. Yeah, there's stories that come out all the time. And what, what oh, in yeah. the world? Nikki Cross is out here. She's like the reincarnation of Mighty Molly. Yeah, I, I'm obviously. Anyway, sorry. Oh, I know. I, I sorry. I, I just I didn't. Uh, anyway, but Brock Lesnar, without being biased, unique appearance over still puts butts in seats still brings eyeballs to television and there are not too many wrestlers in WWE that can say that right now. 
Well, he needs to talk to the Canadian officials then and make a comeback because right now the only thing stopping him from coming back is Canada. Well, the borders aren't opening till July 27th. And I, didn't that, was, I didn't realize it was a date. That That's not his his doing. Right. Um, but since you brought up Canada, your next uh, unpopular opinion is something uh, Vince McMahon once said. Yes. And Brett, I, yeah, go ahead. Brett screwed Brett. Yes. And I should have made this, this caveat at the – or should have prefaced everything at the beginning of the show. These are not necessarily our opinions, but they are opinions that are found within wrestling. But saying that, I will say I've kind of gone back and forth in this, but at the same time, and yes, we do look in with the – how do you put it? through present-day glasses. And, of course, some of this, because we are looking in hindsight at everything, we say, yeah, maybe Brett did kind of screw Brett a little bit. They, I don't think they handled it correctly. But Brett not wanting to do business, which not even being wrestlers, you and I both know that's like one of the cardinal sins in wrestling is not wanting to do business. And that's what that came down to was, Brett, well, I don't want to lose to Canada, and I sure as heck don't want to lose to Shawn Michaels. You know, I'll come there tomorrow and and just hand you the title. And so, yeah, that doesn't look good on Brett. On the flip side of that, I can see where Shawn Michaels himself, and within the two years previous to this, have been allowed to just give up his Intercontinental title. Then he gave up the world title when he lost his smile, when he said he suffered a knee injury. And then after, what was this, a couple months, all of a sudden he got his smile back, and and nobody even remembers how he even hurt his knee, it, that whole debacle. But, but Shawn Michaels had been allowed to just give up his title, and so Brett figured, I should be able to do the same thing. And he would he would not have pulled a Medusa or an Alundra Blaze, whatever name you want to refer to her as. He was not going to take the title belt with him to WCW. They knew he was leaving. Vince even told him to go negotiate. He said, go to WCW. I cannot pay you. He said, I don't want to hold you up. If you want to go, you have my blessing. They won't use you correctly. I said, I do want to warn you, they won't use you correctly. But you have my blessing. If you want to go negotiate, I understand. So it was not a case of, like with Medusa, them just neglecting her. I mean, this was a whole lot of egos run amok. And I think Brett's ego was run amok because he should know, being a second-generation wrestler, you do the right thing. And whether he likes Sean or not, he should have just done the right thing and passed the title. But he didn't. Now, 
let let's expand from Brett's point of view. They turn him heel mm-hmm. after WrestleMania 13. One of the greatest matches ever. And, and not just a heel, but an anti-American pro-Canadian heel. Version of Bret Hart I think we got. And it's a shame it didn't last longer than it did because the Hart Foundation for that nine months was fantastic. But Shawn Michaels was not a good guy. No, he wasn't. He he was also really a heel for his Hell in the Cell with The Undertaker. And Brett did have creative control in his last 30 days. That was in his contract. And you know Vince doesn't sign a contract um, willy-nilly. And they could have used Ken Shamrock as a transitional champion. They could have changed the title on a Raw. They could have changed the title at a house show, which would have boosted house show business because you know that doesn't happen a lot. Right. There were other options. Now, Vince is right. He did what was best for the company. Bret Hart isn't exactly wrong for exercising what he fought for in his contract. It's like um, we have discussed, I am expected to work nine and a half hours every day. And that is what they pay me for. And if I am not pre-approved overtime in advance, I'm not supposed to work it. So when they call at 8 o'clock at night and wonder why I don't answer, it's because you're not paying me. You didn't pre-approve my overtime. It is my legal right to deny working it. Yeah, very true. So... These are things um, in other contexts. Was Brett really wrong for what he did? Probably not. He should have known better that Vince was going to do something like that. But being loyal in the wrestling business doesn't seem to work out too well for the wrestlers. wanted him to stay, he could have renegotiated that contract to a friendlier term. Do you think there may be some other shenanigans that were going on behind the scenes that has not been made public knowledge involving Shawn Michaels and you know Triple H and some other ones? Professional jealousy. 
Yeah, exactly. He he could have had matches with Ken Shamrock, The Rock, um, Von Simmons. There there were the Pro Canada angle could have went on for probably another year. It re- I was okay with the Pro Canada thing. I just was puzzled by the, okay, but now we're going to be anti-American because we're pro-Canadian because America and Canada have been like strong allies in just about everything for a couple of centuries. So that to me was kind of weak sauce, but I still like, you know, the heart, the, the newest, you know, the last incarnation of the heart foundation when you, uh, with him and Neidhart and Owen and Pillman. I did like that. I thought that was a really strong faction. It could have done more had they let it. But you're right. I mean, it was one of the, the best things they had going. So, yeah, in the end, I guess it did work out for Vince. It didn't work out for the Hart family. No, at, at all. Not at all. And, you know, you were talking about Shamrock possibly being the one to beat Brett as a transitional champion. Now, I'm going to bring up your next one. Shorter title reigns are for ratings. Do you think that Shamrock uh, winning the world title would have boosted in the ratings? They showed it. And, and ratings, and, and this is honestly why, what is the purpose of a pay-per-view now that they are on the network? You know, that's a good question. And why do you have house shows without title title changes? That's something WWF has not done a lot of. WWE has not done a lot of. Oh, I'm trying to think the last time they had a house show title change. Was it now, I, Kevin Owens? Maybe the, maybe, maybe the hardcore title. Well, that one I don't really count because that one's got the whole 24-7 thing. And so it can be just like, yeah, um, well, like the 24-7 title, which I, I think they've kind of just dropped that. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed. They haven't had it on there in a long time. Yeah, because it was a joke. Yeah, it started out, I mean, it's funny. It, we call it basically the R-Truth Roll-Up Championship. And, it, yeah, but... So, yeah, I think when Kevin Owens, was it AJ Styles that he he beat on a house show? And I don't remember what title it was. And now they're coming out, uh, they were saying it was actually a, um, a mistake. Like he actually wasn't supposed to win. It was just they didn't kick out and something happened. But a legitimate house show title change, it's been a while. But why 
why don't you uh, change titles at a house show? You want people to pay and go. You want them to be different. What What is more different than having a title change hand at a house show? It makes you want to go and see. Yeah, because it shows it, shows it could happen. You know, you never know what could happen in the WWE. And same same for television. You don't want to watch Raw or SmackDown because, what, 1% of matches, title matches, is going to have a change? So do you change a title, like, let's say, this, which is Miz and Bobby Lashley, they they did that three different hours and delayed it, delayed it, delayed it. That was solely for ratings. Right now, I am looking up. This is article says ten title changes you didn't know happened on house shows. Okay, um, well, Bret Hart beating Ric Flair for the world title back in 1992. I knew that was on a house show. Um, Diesel over Bob Backlund. Same thing. That was a house show. Uh, Ms. Morrison versus CM Punk and Kofi Kingston. Oh, Shinsuke and Samoa Joe. Well, that was the NXT title, though. Um, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, same thing. Edge versus Jeff Jarrett. That was 1999. Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, 1993. Mickey James versus Victoria versus... Okay, I'm looking for something recent, people. There are none. Yeah, there are none. Uh, and like I said, I thought there was one that... Had, or maybe it was AJ. Um, actually, that one was something you didn't see. You didn't know what happened. Ah, it was... Okay, I just, I'm just... I haven't clicked on the title... It says AJ Styles kept he he won the U.S. Championship from Kevin Owens at Madison Square Garden. That was on a house show. Yeah, that was but, in 2017. But shorter reigns are for ratings. But they're how often do they change on? Raw, SmackDown, main event. So very rarely you'll see something change on NXT, the regular TV show now on Tuesdays. They just had the North American title change. But mostly at takeover events. And they're building to all these pay-per-views but these title changes, like Bobby Lashley's going to have a title match, we already know who's going to win. Well, rather we know who's – we know he's still going to have the title at the end of the night. Right? Right. Yeah, so. so why watch?
Yeah, because I, I mean, even now, um, you know, it'll probably uh, probably here in about an hour is when it'll probably be showing. And uh, or probably here in about half an hour, forty-five minutes or so is when they're. It's going to be the last uh, match of the night tonight. And some of the short title reigns it used to be. If somebody had a short title reign, reign, ah, it was, like you said, it was to bring audiences to the house shows to say, look, you can see a title change. Why do people flip the channel whenever Tony Schiavone announced Mick Foley was going to win the title? They said, oh, don't go watch that. We already told you what's going to happen. He's going to win the title. Why do people change the channel? They wanted to see a title change. And people want, they want to see it. And... If you look at some of the ones back in the day, you look at some of the one the, the guys who held the NWA World Title, like Tommy Rich. Tommy Rich had one of the shortest NWA World Title reigns ever, and I think it was like four days. And they did it supposedly as a favor to him, just to kind of prove, yeah, he is. Uh, a top wrestler, but I've also heard there was they they did as a favor to his promotion to say, look, we have a world champion in the Georgia promotion. We have now we have a former world champion. But you know, I don't I don't think I'm not sure if that necessarily applies to like today because it it is as far as promotion goes, it is a, a different product now. I know your point that you sent me is a little different, but long range, short range, it, it doesn't matter. It goes to who did you beat? Maybe this is a bigger issue with WWE right now, but who's really worth anything? With fit booking, and everything they're doing. When Xavier Woods is in a match, uh, he's going to lose. I guess Bobby Lashley, yeah, absolutely. I guess Bobby Lashley for the world title, he's going to lose. He's not going to walk out of there with the belt. And then they're going to put Kofi in, and I don't think Kofi's going to win. Not, I don't think, I don't think Vince wanted Kofi as champion to begin with. Right. But that was, that was one of the things though, when that, that was like a grassroots campaign, kind of a fluke thing because remember Kofi was a stand in when, was it Mustafa Ali legitimately got hurt? And so they had to have somebody as a substitute for that gauntlet match and then all of a sudden Kofi went the distance or almost went the distance on that. And so that's when the fans would start really, really getting behind him, which they are – everybody liked Kofi anyway. But not to that level. I mean, it, it just exploded. And if they had not gotten the world title on him at that WrestleMania, oh, they would have lost a whole lot of fans. And they would have had a whole lot of riots. It's, it, it goes to something – Um. 
Brock Lesnar's last couple matches. Did he win? No. And the man's still over in defeat, even though he's been beaten uh, by Roman Reigns, by Goldberg, by Drew McIntyre. There's not many characters, many wrestlers on television right now that matter when you beat them. So the reign, um, when you're a champion, if you wrestled nothing but enhancement talent during your championship reign, that much more impressive because you held the title for six months instead of six weeks? In our, I guess, our lifetime, CM Punk was the champion for 400-something days. Is that cumulative, or was that one reign? One reign. Okay. And that's actually, to me, that's impressive, especially now because you don't see people holding any kind of title for that long. Never wrestled in the main event of any match while he was defending the championship. Wow. I did not know that. So, did he have a right to be upset? It's the only time you can be in the, the main event is when you're wrestling John Cena in, in a triple threat match? Or you're putting over the rock? which he did at the Royal Rumble, which ended his reign. That, you hear 400 dot-to-dot days. But statistically, not the main event, not the main draw of the show. He was the guy with the title, not the number one performer in the company. And that's an interesting kind of scenario there because that that shows, one, what Vince McMahon actually kind of thought of CM Punk. You know, I've always said, I know a lot of people are fans of CM Punk, and this may be another unpopular opinion I'm going to throw out there that, you know, that I didn't list because I didn't really think of it. And I've said this before, and, I, and you've actually kind of alluded to it as well, but I, I actually use a, a term you use from CM Punk was kind of a malcontent. And CM Punk was, he always seemed to me like he was kind of a disgruntled employee. And if you piss off your boss bad enough, but, you know, you're a good worker, but you're not getting along with the boss, they may keep you around because you're a good worker, but don't expect to get a promotion, don't expect to get a raise other than the mandatory annual raise, that type of deal. So he, he may have had a title, but he wasn't on the main event. And they may have had him as a, as a title holder just to get people uh, to pay to see him, but they still weren't going to let him be the, talk, the main event uh, of 
any pay-per-view. That makes sense? Well, I, I will actually take it to a different level. Everything CM Punk said in his pipe bomb promo has turned out to be true. They are making money hand over fist regardless of whatever stupid decisions the company is making. But the the wrestlers are not. And wrestling is not cool right now. I think that's one of the... We, we hit on this a few months ago when the issue of uh, Zelina Vega, when when she and the WWE came to terms, they, a, a mutual parting of the ways, was when she said they need to unionize. And I, I'm usually not a fan of unions. However, with wrestling, it almost seems like it's long overdue. Because this is a case of you have somebody who is making money hand over fist, but the wrestlers themselves, the the ones who are actually making the money, the ones who the people are paying to see, they're not being taken care of because they still don't have insurance. They're still being told, we're going to have you, we're going to book you for so many dates. Oh, yeah, by the way, you can't take any other bookings besides what we set up for you. So you want to go to Japan? Yeah, forget about it. You want to go do an indie spot show? Forget about it. You want to go do just an appearance at StarCast? This is what happened with The Undertaker. Because he booked an appearance on StarCast, and all of a sudden Vince McMahon was just all up in his rear end about it. And, you know, don't tell me, he's like, go ahead. Paid him a boatload of money. Yeah. But, but get what Vince has always seen as a star, a big muscled up giant of a man. And someone who you'd notice and pay attention to in an airport. Right. And not so much uh, from football, but let's say walking around and going to a restaurant. The appearance of a man in today's society has changed dramatically. Um. When the 90s were happening and wrestling was big, I knew a lot more people that were um, they were trying to get big and jacked in the gym. And today, it's more being toned because being too jacked is toxic masculinity. If you, get your, if you get yourself jacked and somebody is looking at you saying, well, that's just toxic masculinity, and if it's a, a female that's saying that, 
and that's what you're trying to attract is females, obviously she's not the one for you. You do you. That's all I'm telling them. If you want to go out and you want to, if that's your goal is to be jacked. I mean, because a lot of guys, and in, in, you know this yourself, obviously, you know, you have your goals when it comes to the gym. And I know you're not going to let somebody else tell you what well, you can't look like that because that's toxic. I know you better than oh, Kyle. <laughs> I know you a be, lot better than that. I don't care. You, you picked up on the wrong part of that. Well, I know, but I'm just saying you, it um, kind of set me off in a, a little bit of different direction. I apologize for that. But the the ideal standard for a man is not displayed on today's society's male is not really displayed on WWE television. Storylines are not mirroring real life or today's fan. You can get into the matches and different things, but everything he said in his pipe bomb is honestly correct. Cesaro is no homo, um, a decent looking man. Very strong, very athletic, dresses um, dresses pretty well. Speaks, what, seven languages? Something like, like that. that. And Vince McMahon has these brass rings. Oops, I got another one. Cesaro just doesn't fit his idea of what a WWE champion should be. And your wrestling, your character, whatever, is being done to please the man in the back and not the viewers on the television screen. He speaks five different languages. Which makes sense. He grew up in Switzerland, so it actually makes sense for him to speak that many languages. But you're you're wrestling to please the man in the back. Unfortunately. And that unpopular opinion or not, man has lost touch with what is cool and what is hip in today's society? Um, I will partially disagree, but just to say was Vince McMahon, it's not that he lost touch. I don't think Vince McMahon was ever in touch. You know what I'm saying? Um, and talk about, you know, pleasing the guy in the back. And, yeah, Vince McMahon, like you said, I mean, he, he – if he doesn't understand the character, even if the fans are just totally behind him, him or her, they'll just drop him. That's why Rusev is now Miro in AEW and doing well. That's why Aleister Black was just let go, because Vince didn't understand it. And I think that had the character that they were starting to build, I think was going to end up being a monster. And I think it was going to actually put some butts in seats. 
but eventually he didn't understand them. And one of the things, I don't know if you, I'm pretty sure you've heard, actually, Steve Austin talk about when he first was in WWF, um, or really when he first became the Stone Cold character, not when he first went in the WWF. After the whole ringmaster and that, you know, which wasn't going to set any, any worlds on fire, when he was uh, wrestling his matches and he was being doing a couple of different things, well, he said Kevin Dunn came up to him and said, you need to stop doing that. He said, well, why? He said, because you're popping the guys in the truck. You know, meaning the guys who were doing the, produ- the actual uh, production stuff in the back, like in the truck with the, the monitors and everything. He said, you're popping them. And, and Stone Cold said, well, if I'm popping them, that means I'm doing something they've never seen before. And if they've never seen it before, then the audience has never seen it before. So why is that a bad thing to pop the guys in the truck? Make sense? It it does, but you can tell with the humor, the type of characters, uh, what's getting put on television and what is not. This is and until the day he passes away, will always be a company that is based on Vince's interests. And this is where AEW, NXT, to a lesser extent, more storyline, same company, more storylines than NXT, it makes sense because Vince's hands are, are not in it. There's long-term booking. And the this issue is, in, go ahead. The issue in AEW is not the storylines. It's the no-selling in the wrestling. I will say, I even though I do like AEW, uh, and although I haven't really been able to keep up with it for a little bit now, uh, I try to catch it when I can. Some of the matches look way, way too choreographed to me. And it almost looks like a circus. But, yeah, and there are others... But there's still good wrestling being put out that's outside of WWE. And ROH has the Briscoe brothers fighting in a um in a back to the farm street fight match. Okay. That you got to see the the Briscoe brothers and ROH. They're um, goat farmers or something. They've been wrestling twenty years each. So th- this will be a very different match. Looks like but, they're bringing tough enough back. Sorry. Um. With that, 
I have a visitor here in the household, and I need to depart for the evening. All righty, sir. Um, we will – well, you didn't think it would last the whole two hours? We still have more topics uh, to discuss on this, so we will continue this next week. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, my friend. God bless you, and say hello to your company, whoever they may be. All right. Talk to you later. All right. All right, dude. Bye.